Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It has been my prayer that this sermon this morning from Psalm 46 would be a great blessing to us in this particular moment that we find ourselves in. It was on Tuesday earlier this week that I was working through what uh, call to worship text we should use for this coming Sunday, talking it over with Kevin. We're trying to find a worship text that would be appropriate for a sermon from 2 Samuel chapter 5, which was what was going to be our sermon text this morning. We've been looking at the life of David together over the last few months as a church, and this, this text in 2 Samuel 5 was all about how David had been preserved by God. God was with him. He was his, he, uh, David was the anointed and chosen king of God. And so it seemed that Psalm 46 would be an appropriate psalm because it talked about these ideas of God's protection, about God's presence with his people in times of trouble. And it was a great choice, I thought. Well, much has changed since Tuesday of this week. As the information and counsel from government authorities rolled in about COVID-19, it became increasingly clear that this was no small matter. Wednesday, we sent out an email to let everyone know that we were doing what we could to make it safe for us to be able to gather together as a church, both for our guests and for our community as a whole. And then the World Health Organization officially declared it to be a pandemic and the NBA shut down, and Disneyland shut down, and Tom Hanks was diagnosed, and more closures and cancellations and declarations of emergency came out. And so on Friday, we needed to contact the congregation again, just to update you, and to let you know, and to ask you really, to, to stay home if you were a senior citizen, or if you had been sick recently, if you've been traveling. And those who are here this morning, are somewhat practicing social distancing, I can see it, also asked you to wash your hands, there's sanitizer in the back. Uh, these are measures that we're trying to take because we want to do this out of love. We are trying to take every precaution that we can to maintain y'all's health. And I have to admit that it's an eerie feeling, is it not? We normally call our services gathered worship, but this is more like scattered worship. There are at least, I think, 50 people joining us even online right now from the, the safety of their own homes. We have many folks joining us from there and, and even here, scattered apart, spread out evenly across the room. But the bottom line is that we're doing everything we can in order to ensure the health and the welfare of one another. We're trying to keep our healthcare system from being overwhelmed. This is what it looks like right now for us to love our neighbors. We're changing how we minister temporarily, because we want to care well for those that are vulnerable. It is amazing how much our world can change in just a few days, is it not? I don't think any of us have ever lived through a pandemic like this, as Josh mentioned, and so it's got a lot of us shook up. Uh, everywhere we look, there is distress, there is anxiety, there is panic, and if we're honest, that temptation to fear lies in our own hearts as well. Well, the, the psalm that we had planned on reading this morning as a call to worship text turned out to be much more appropriate than we could have thought or planned. Given the events and the conditions surrounding us, we, we, we decided it, it would seem right to change the plans for this coming Sunday and really to spend time meditating on this particular psalm, Psalm 46, together briefly. Psalm 46 is a psalm of confidence. It is a psalm of fighting fear. 
It illustrates for us, it reminds us that though we are surrounded by changes and by chaos, the Lord changes not. What Psalm 46 tells us is that God himself is our stability in the chaos. If you want to write something down, you might want to write that down. God himself is our stability in the chaos. This, I believe, is exactly what we need to hear this morning. The the presence of an unchanging God means that people should not be afraid in times of trouble. Let's pray together before we begin. Father, we are surrounded by distress and calamity and chaos and fear and uncertainty and anxiety. And so we ask this morning that you would help us to take a deep breath. Protect us from thinking that uh, we don't have any help in this. From thinking that you are not with us in this and through this. Father, it is times like these, times of uncertainty, that the church needs to shine brightly. And so we pray that you would make Trinity Bible Church a non-anxious presence in the community. Father, we do not fear because we trust in you. We know that you are with us. In the midst of all the the changes that happen, you do not change. And this is our solid rock on which we stand. Give us comfort. Feed our hearts with your word this morning. We need you. We'll pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God himself is our stability in the chaos. I want to follow the structure of this psalm in the structure of this sermon. And the psalm breaks up naturally, I believe, into three different sections. If you have your Bible there in front of you, or if you're online, you can scroll down. It's there for you as well. Each section of this psalm ends with salah. It's a musical term that sort of marks out the progression of the psalm. And it's going to mark out the progression of our sermon here this morning. And so we'll have three points. And in this first section... I want us to see that the presence of God is there in cosmic chaos in verses 1 through 3. Second, the presence of God in political pandemonium in verses 4 through 7. And then finally, the presence of God in victory in verses 8 through 11. But first, the presence of God in cosmic chaos, verses 1 through 3. I want to read that for us again. God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Salah. When the earth shifts under you, the psalmist says, find refuge in God. This psalm is a song that was meant to be sung by Israel, by a choir, in the worship of God. Psalm 46, as Kevin mentioned earlier, happened to be Martin Luther, that great famous reformer. It happened to be his favorite psalm. In fact, he wrote his most famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, as a meditation on Psalm 46. In fact, he wrote this Mighty Fortress song during a time, and it's believed, in 1527, Uh, It was a time when the bubonic plague was sweeping across Europe and coming quickly into Germany. 
His son had nearly died of it, and he was being weighed down by the pressure of ministering in such an incredibly dark time. And he found great confidence, he found great joy in this psalm. Luther summarized this psalm saying this, quote, This psalm is to be sung in praise of God because he is with us. And he is powerfully and miraculously preserving us. And he defends his church and his word against all fanatical spirits, against the gates of hell, against the implacable hatred of the devil, and against all the assaults of the world, the flesh, and sin. Well said, Brother Luther. It was written for God's people to sing together, this psalm was. Notice the corporate language that is in it. God is our present refuge, and we will not fear. We're not given the circumstances under which this psalm was composed. It might have been written after some time of victory that Israel might have gained over an enemy nation, but we don't know. The truth is that this psalm is general and broad enough that it could be rightly applied to many situations, many times of trouble, and I believe this time of trouble. This is Luther's psalm, but this is our psalm. This word has a word for us this morning. We need to know that God is a very present help in time of trouble. Israel knew God to be a hiding place. They knew God to be their rest, their asylum, their sanctuary, to be their very present help. Help that can be found when they needed it. Present and available in these times of trouble. The word for trouble here could be referring to being in a tight spot. Maybe that helps you visualize what this trouble looks like. A a narrow, constricted path. Uh, You might picture someone in dire straits, if you will. A a sailor who is trying to navigate tumultuous waters. Trouble is at the front of our minds this morning, is it not? But trouble is not new. Trouble is a part of living in a broken world. Man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward, says Job. This is part of what it means to live in a fallen, broken creation. And I know that many of us this morning are in a tight spot. And we will be entering into difficult decisions in the days to come. I know that many of us are afraid. Many are having to make difficult decisions for themselves, their loved ones, their future. And even as the economic fallout will be rolling out of this pandemic and it runs its course, there will be no doubt more trouble. But we keep reading. Verse 2. Because God is our refuge in times of trouble, therefore we will not fear. Fear is not a Christian posture. I got an amen. Fear is not a Christian posture. We as a church have made some difficult decisions about the way that we are practicing bless you, about the ways that we are practicing ministry in the current day and age, but rest assured that we have made these decisions with wrestling trying to be responsible with the authority that we have been given. But just to be clear, we have changed our practices not out of fear, but out of love. 
We want to care for the most vulnerable among us. We have not hunkered down because we're afraid, because we're trying to seek to be responsible. This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to love others. We are just as confident today in the sovereignty and in the goodness of God as we have ever been. God himself is our stability in the chaos. The psalm tells us that even if the earth itself gave way, we need not fear. The psalm poetically describes earthquakes and landslides and tsunamis. And think back to creation with me, if you will, in Genesis 1. God speaks and creation comes into existence and he brings an expanse of land up out of those chaotic waters. He brought order to creation, a cosmos from chaos. But now in this poetic language, we get a picture of creation itself becoming undone. The mountains shaking and falling back into the sea as the enormous tsunami waves thrash and they foam and rage and the mountains are trembling, quaking. God's ordered cosmos turning back into chaos. Even if that happened, the psalmist says, we need not fear. If the earth itself gave way from out from underneath us, God himself would still be our refuge and our strength. When the earth changes, we must remember that God does not change. God is unchanging. Here's the theological, if you want to write another word down, here's the theological word for it, immutability. This is the word that we use to describe the fact that God does not change. He is immutable. He is eternal. There is no variation or shadow due to change in our heavenly father, James tells us. And God says in the book of Malachi, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Psalm 102 echoes this same idea when it says, Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away, but you are the same, and your years have no end. Friends, even if the creation itself became undone, God himself would never change. He is before all things. He is eternal. He cannot become less perfect than he is. He cannot become more perfect than he already is. He is the same today, yesterday, and forever. I need you to hear this. The fact that God does not change is the very reason why he can be our firm foundation and our comfort and our assurance. During times of relative peace, I'm tempted to things that Things will always go on in times of peace. But it's just not true. We can look out the window at a mountain and it seems firm. It seems unchanging. It seems solid. But the earth does quake, does it not? Our planet is characterized in many ways by chaos and by upheaval. If stability is not to be found anywhere on earth, then where can stability be found? God himself. Do not put your trust in the earth and the ground you stand upon. Christ alone is our solid rock and all other ground is sinking sand. 
No doubt many of us have been spending more and more time in the refuge of our homes, and I do not blame you for that at all. But dear friends, do not be fooled into thinking that true and lasting security can be found in your home. In your fear, seek security in the unchanging and in the ever-faithful Christ. Make Jesus your panic room. He is your refuge in your trouble. After all, Jesus told us, in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We turn to God in times of trouble, and we do not fear. We take heart. Even when it looks like creation itself is out to get us. But it's not just cosmic chaos that can cause trouble for us, it's people as well. Look second at the presence of God in even political pandemonium. Our second point that we see in verses 4 through 7. The presence of God in political pandemonium. I'll read verses 4 to 7 for us again. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Salah. These verses tell us that God's peaceful city stands and the violent nations of the earth fall. These three verses compare and contrast the the city of God with the kingdoms of man. We've moved now in terms of the poetic language from a picture of chaotic, tumultuous water into a peaceful river that brings life. God's holy habituation, his habitation was the city of God where he lived, where he dwelled. It was Mount Zion in Jerusalem. It is that chosen city where David captures in 2 Samuel chapter 5, when the kingdom of Israel is being united under God's one king, David. The mountains might be moved, the psalmist tells us, but God's holy habitation stays put. The rebellious nations and the kingdoms totter, but the city of God shall not be moved because God is in it. It is established, it is secure, because God himself will help her right early in the morning as the dawn awakens. Jerusalem was the place where God had chosen to dwell in the temple. It was the place of God's special presence. His glory dwelled there in the Holy of Holies amongst his people. And Zion then was that sort of central place of worship for Israel, for God's people. The city of God is where the worship of God happened. The city of God is clearly connected with the historical city of Zion that we read about in 2 Samuel and elsewhere across the Old Testament. But it's interesting to note that the city of God here is pictured in sort of an idealistic sort of way in this psalm. It's a perfect city. In the ancient Near East, they pictured God's holy habitation where he dwelled as being up on top of a high mountain. A high mountain, a hill where a river would flow down and wherever the river flowed, it would bring flourishing and life with it. Perhaps it's a callback to the rivers that watered the Garden of Eden 
where God was present with his people. But in any case, that perfected city where God's people live in God's place under God's rule has not happened yet. We're still waiting for that to come in its perfection. Revelation 3 speaks of a new Jerusalem that is going to come down out of heaven. But for us here this morning in our day and age, the city of God is a name that properly belongs to the church. God designed and built his church. He purchased all who belong to his church. And he chose to indwell it by his spirit. Brothers and sisters, he is in our midst, even this morning. And we shall not be moved. Jesus himself said that he would build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I don't know of a Sunday morning in the last hundred years when fewer Christians were gathering together for worship across the world. It might have happened. I don't know what it would have been. But friends, do not mistake our lack of gathering for weakness. Churches are having to make difficult decisions out of love of neighbor. But please be assured, Christ's church is not afraid. Dear family, the the night might seem dark right now, but let me encourage you, as you have opportunity in your community where you are scattered, where God has placed you, let your light shine before others so that God might see that they might see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. When it is dark, remember that you are the light. God has given you the light of the gospel. The church of Jesus Christ is a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, Jesus tells us. The Lord is not afraid of the nations that plot against him. Read Psalm 2 later this afternoon if you want more on that. The kingdoms plot and rage against him. But by the power of his voice, he can melt the earth and all of its sinful rebellion against his good and right authority. Jesus tells us, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body and hell. Dear friends, if you are within the sound of my voice, hear the voice of God from his word. Do not resist Jesus. Rest in Jesus. God has set his king, his son, his risen and reigning and victorious king on Zion, his holy habitation. And all are blessed who take refuge in him. This is what the gospel is. This is what we gather to celebrate week in and week out. Jesus Christ lived a life of perfect obedience to his father in every way that you and I do not, cannot. He died an atoning death to reconcile us back to God. And if you repent of your sin, trust and put your faith in Christ, his life now is your life. His resurrection is your resurrection. You are one with himself and you cannot die. Your soul is purchased by his blood and you are hidden with Christ on high. You are hidden with him in his holy habitation. Friends, if you have not trusted Christ yet, do not wait. 
do it now, and then reach out to another trusted Christian whom you can tell, who can celebrate with you, who can help guide you in this. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob himself is our fortress. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and with awe and with fear. For God is a consuming fire. And not only is God eternally present despite the chaos, despite the political pandemonium, we will one day see him as our victorious king when we are in his presence eternally. So let's notice this lastly in this last section of the psalm. Notice the presence of God in victory. Verses 8 through 11. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and he shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Salah. This section, this third section, looks forward to a day of peace. When those nations who have plotted against God now have been defeated, the pandemonium of all those kingdoms who conspired to defeat God has ended. The chaos now has become perfect calm. Notice how the psalm describes it. The Lord has brought desolation on the bow and on the spear and on the chariots of the nations who are set against his people. God gains peace by destroying the weapons of the enemy. God gains peace by destroying the weapons of the enemy. And so if the enemy is far away, he breaks the bow. If the enemy is up close, he shatters the spear. If the enemy is in pursuit, he burns the chariots with fire. God frustrates the rage of the enemy and he turns it into peace. The prophet Isaiah spoke of a day when the nations would lose their weapons and they would no longer know fear, but they would know peace. And the Lord alone will be exalted on that day. This is the day that we Christians look forward to. This last day is our hope when God sends Christ, Christ returns, and he consummates his kingdom of eternal peace on the earth. And then verse 10. Verse 10 is a fairly well-known verse in Psalm 46. It's the sort of verse that you might find surrounded by flowers and printed in flowing script on the walls of your local Hobby Lobby. Because at first glance, it sounds like a very comforting word. And friends, it is a very comforting word. It sounds like an invitation to stop our crazy busy lives and just rededicate ourselves to our quiet time and our devotional reading. But rightly understood, this is less of an invitation and more of a command. Within the context of the psalm, this is more of a command. It is a rebuke. Uh, I grew up with two other brothers, two older brothers, and uh, we lived in the same room. 
And very often we would get in commotions late at night and my dad would have to come in and use his dad voice. Do you guys know what I mean by dad voice? Uh, or with, I was wrestling with my brother Micah late at night and uh, dad would have to walk in and what did he say? Be still, halt, cease and desist. This is the same voice that I have to use with my sons on occasion. Be still. The Lord says, stop your fighting. Stop your struggling and know that I, Yahweh, am God. I will be exalted among the nations. Above your political pandemonium, I will be exalted in all the earth over all the cosmic chaos. Does this divine voice declaring be still remind you of anything in the New Testament? In Mark chapter 4, we get the account of Jesus and his disciples on a boat. A great windstorm comes and the waves begin to roar and foam. The water crashes against their boat and it's becoming unstable, begins to fill with water. The disciples wake Jesus up and he rebuked those chaotic waters. And what did he say? Peace, be still. And what happened? The chaos ceased and there was great calm. And Jesus says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and they said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? If the disciples knew who Jesus was, they would not have been afraid. Be still and know that the Lord is God. May I suggest to you that in our current crisis, by way of extreme understatement, it would help for you to know God. To know him is to consider truths about him for sure, but it's also to know him in your heart and in your own experience. Do you know him to be your strength? Do you know the Lord in your experience to be your refuge? Can you point to times in your own life when he has proven himself over and over again to be your fortress? Perhaps you can remember a time when you were struggling against God, rejecting his grace, but he broke your bow and he burned your chariot and he told you, be still and know that I am God. Ah, perhaps our society is coming to a grinding halt. Perhaps this is a great opportunity for us to be still and to know that we are not God, the Lord is. The closing verse repeats the refrain that we found in verse 7 earlier. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. These two names of God are fascinating when you really look at them side by side. The Lord of hosts, Lord Sabaoth, is a reference to God as the royal Lord of power, the king of all the universe in his fullness of majesty and of glory. Surrounded, you can use your imagination, surrounded by regents of hosts of angels. He is governing and ruling over all creation as the Lord of hosts. 
But he is also the God of Jacob, the psalm reminds us. Jacob, that grandson of Abraham. Out of all the nations, God chose Abraham and made a people for himself out of him. And said to Abraham, made promises to him, his covenant promises to him. He said, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This name of God is a reference to this covenant, dedicated, faithful love that God has to his people. They are his special people. They are his portion. They are his son. They are his bride. The God of Jacob is a covenantal name of a God of grace who extends his love to an undeserving humanity. And if you're wondering how this psalm from thousands of years ago means anything for you this morning, you must know that if you're united by faith with Christ, if you belong to Christ, you are a child of Abraham. So says Galatians. And you now are heirs according to the promise. So the God who reigns over the cosmos is the God who is your personal fortress. The Lord of hosts is with us. He is our Emmanuel. He is God with us. Our God is with us in this. He, he entered into creation in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, to defeat every power that stands against us. He defeated and shattered the spear of sin. He broke the bow of death and he crushed Satan's chariot. He came to defeat our greatest enemies on our behalf when we could not and to lead us in an exodus, a new exodus through those chaotic waters to be in his presence forevermore. Do you know this God? Do you know that he is Lord? Uh, and do you know that when Christ returns, he will give the knockout blow to everything and anything that stands in opposition to his righteous and loving reign? If this God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him give us graciously all things? What shall separate us from the love of God in Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, or virus? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, or height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Just like Israel, we often find ourselves in times of trouble, surrounded by threats of danger, both from people and from creation itself. But as God's people, we should trust him during times of trouble because he is sovereign, he is good, he is unchanging. And he is victorious. Christian, we have nothing to fear. Uh, our anxiety comes from looking towards the future and imagining that God's not there with us. 
But God was there before we ever were. And he always will be. God himself is our stability in the chaos. Be set free from your worry. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Salah. Let's pray.